As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Lane, how much do you guys as a team keep up with what's going on in the rest of the division? Um, Obviously, with you guys still being in it, um, with how bad everything's been in the division, how much do you guys talk about it or keep up with it? Can you say that again? Well, just how you guys, obviously, you know, you're in the last place in the division, oh, but yeah. it's been a bad division this year. You guys are still in it. How much do you guys keep up with that? Do you guys talk about it? Just kind of what's that like? Uh, I mean, don't take this personal, but I think that's a ridiculous question. Um, I mean, we're, we're focusing on ourselves. Uh, we're focusing on what we can do to make the playoffs. And that comes week after week after week. Um, we focus on ourselves every single day in practice, every meeting, um, getting the most out of it, taking it slow, not getting too too far ahead of ourselves, not worrying about other teams in our division, other teams around the league. We got to focus on ourselves, and that's going out there and getting the job done, regardless of what it takes. And that's what we're focused on right now. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Well, it's week thirteen in the NFL. It's week thirteen here at the Athletic. Cowboys versus Ravens. Ravens, Sands, Lamar, Cowboys, Sands, Dak. We've got the Cowboys sitting at the glorious 3-8, and eight, and I think the Ravens are now sitting at 6-5 and five after their loss to the Steelers. So, I think the ceiling is mediocre for this game. If we see better than mediocre football, I think it's a win for everybody. So, both teams have a chance to, to do something, and uh, the Ravens rolling out Des Bryant against the Cowboys. And so we'll talk all about that, preview that all here on About Them Cowboys. I'm Kent Garrison, producing as always, producer-in-chief here at the Athletic NFL, welcoming in our panel, as always, to discuss everything when it comes to America's team. First, welcoming back from the Athletic and the Ticket, Saad Youssef. From the Athletic, Father Jonathan Mishoda. And from the Eagle slash the Athletic, Kevin K.T. Turner. And guys... I think we could start off with something that came to my mind earlier. I was producing our Hogan Johns podcast, uh, Chicago Bears talk, and man, there's some crazy stuff going on in Chicago right now. I don't know how plugged in you guys are to the Bears beat, but um, you know they're they're calling for heads to roll. They're calling for Matt Nagy to get out of there. They don't have a quarterback, but uh, it seems like this past week they've had they've had some come to Jesus type discussions in Chicago. 
um, you know, players, coaches, closed door meetings, things like that. And it got me thinking, why hasn't that happened in Dallas? Why did that not happen after the Thanksgiving game? Why wasn't the first thing we heard about a closed door meeting? Uh, and why hasn't there been a real, I'm not saying there hasn't been, but why haven't we heard about some kind of, all right, we're starting to take this serious now, we're going to go for this. Um, because it seems like around the league, we're having a lot of these, you know, heads rolling type situations, you know, people getting fired, Lions coaching staff, uh, you know, GM getting fired last week. Uh, you know, I, I guess I want to ask you, John, what do you sense is the vibe in the locker room this week? Well, I think that big difference between this situation and those, whether you're talking about Detroit or Chicago and, and obviously we have our new coach, right. And obviously, Phil, coach. and obviously Philadelphia is another yes, one that gets factored yes. in there. Uh, I found it interesting. That I get odds sent to me from different websites, different gambling websites on a weekly basis. And I thought one was pretty interesting that they had a, a, a bet on who would be the first one to go in Philadelphia and, between their GM, head coach, and quarterback. And when I, I was just scrolling through and I stopped for a second. I'm just kind of like, hm, that is pretty good. Like, who? it really could be any of them, and I wouldn't be shocked. And so if we're at this point next year at this time, the Cowboys will be in that mix for sure. But because of COVID, because of the the offseason that they had, um, I you know, just this is the first year you know you're not, you're not you generally don't see that with a first year head coach especially in these oh, circumstances I don't think heads are rolling I, I I'm asking why wasn't why isn't there like these players only type meetings happening why isn't why aren't people yelling at people what, what what's going on well I think there was that and that's when that Jane Slater report came out and then they did have those meetings about hey you know like look, we don't want any of this stuff getting out let's keep this in house and since then Nothing has gotten out. The only unless well, it's a watermelon, unless uh, it's smash smashing or... watermelons with a sledgehammer, which is very, <laughs> very interesting. Shout out to, to Shields' story today, ranking all the head coaches, and he mentioning that right at the top for uh, the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy, who is ranked twenty eighth. Go check Cow- out that Cowboys story. have watermelon Mike and Tabasco Mike on the coaching staff, so we're <laughs> get a whole a whole buffet by the end of the season. I was like, so did the watermelon smashing not happen before the Thanksgiving Day game? That's what I need to know because that thing's got to continue. If it, if it got you a win, you, you need to keep rolling that thing out, right? So I don't know if that bit continued or not. I don't um, think they were doing that after Marcus Paul passed away. I don't yeah, think they were doing yeah. any of that type of shenanigans. Thank you, so. thank you John. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, yeah, I didn't think about that. Actually, I'm sorry. just I know I'm I'm not. That's how I'm not trying to. We remove from it, right? And yeah. Like, oh yeah, move on. Good times. They beat the Vikings. No, they. Yeah. If you don't um, think that I wouldn't have tweeted out a joke about that after that game, yeah, I was absolutely. I was ready with different kinds of fruits to mention. But when you have something like that, I mean, you really can't <laughs> no, no, joke no. about it. No, absolutely. The one thing I'd say too is like with uh, the Bears, the team had a little bit of hope. You know, they're five and five or whatever. They're just having quarterback play issues. They've got bigger issues on defense and things like that, but they have quarterback play issues that, you know, like we know the quarterback play here is fine when the guy's healthy. They don't know that there. And Detroit, obviously, John, you could speak to a lot of this stuff. Uh, It feels like just complete and terminal uh, mediocrity. (laughs) Like, it does feel like it's that forever, but you know they brought in the new guy. They've gave him a, a few years. Two was it? Two years of Patricia. This is his second year, right? Or is this his third year? Okay, third year. Like okay, well it's kind of run out. And you also can get a good vibe on the mood. 
You know, you won't get a good vibe on what the mood is here with McCarthy until probably year three when you kind of get a, 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 a like truly know how the players feel about things. We, we've seen players buy into the to the defensive scheme here. We've seen that happen. There's no denying that's happened. And you've seen a little bit of results. You know, you've seen a little bit and play a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and that might be the worst defense in like NFL history. Like that's not happening anymore. Yeah, I also think another thing is to KT's point where when guys are healthy, you kind of know where it's going. The reason why we we heard so much about Jason Garrett about you know chatter about when is he going to get fired is because everything was in place and results weren't coming about. I think when you look at those situations like Detroit, when you look at Atlanta, when you look at all these different uh, organizations that have struggled, they already have everything in place and they're still not getting results. So then you have to make drastic you have to take drastic measures. With the Cowboys, everything is kind of in place when everybody's healthy. And so it's hard to kind of judge based on that. And with the Bears specifically, it's like you have everyone healthy. It's just you completely botched on on a on a high draft pick on a premium position. So I think the Cow I think the Dak Prescott injury has saved a lot of the the chatter that could happen because they were struggling with Dak as well, but if Dak was still healthy and they were three and eight or whatever, I think there'd be a lot more conversations happening than uh, with Dak being hurt. Well, you got to throw in the offensive line too, because right. if if Andy Dalton had Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith and Zach Martin out there, there's there's like almost no doubt in my mind that the Cowboys win this division. Like almost, I yeah. mean, he's the best quarterback out of the remaining quarterbacks. Uh, in the division and that offensive line, even without Tyron and Lyle, they were probably good enough to win it uh, with Andy Dalton if they could just have Zach Martin healthy for the rest of the season. So uh, Dak coupled with the offensive line um, and then obviously the offseason of the COVID and not having the normal offseason that you'd want a new coach to have. So, But uh, hey, that stuff ain't far away. Again, you're talking about Patricia's in year three. What's what's Gason? That has to be what? That has to be at least year three, right? Adam Gason like, with the Jets? Or, Yes. This is year two. No, no, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I always, I always met, I always mess that up with Adam Gase. I'm talking with, uh, with the Bears. Yeah, with yeah. Nagy. I don't know why I mix those two guys up, year, but um, year three. But I, yeah, but that's so what I'm saying. Like, so I don't even think this gets to year three. If it continues to go like this, we'll hear plenty of that stuff next year. Yeah, and Nagy's tied to the GM Ryan Pace there. Like those guys will get yep. tied together based on the Trubisky decision. Um, which again, like the Trubisky, they get killed for that. Trubisky had one year of, you know, starting tape. And but you, like you have to like shadow out what Mahomes and Watson are doing. Sure they're it a was. part of it, but like it's about Trubisky's failures. If Trubisky is playing <laughs> yeah. decent football, the Bears win games. You know, they, it, no, it is about the the trading up for Trubisky too. It's one thing if like you sit there and Mahomes gets taken and Trubisky falls to you and you're like, hey, I mean, this is what we had. We had to pick a quarterback, you know? But like the yeah. fact that they, they traded up for the guy and we're like, this is our guy. We're not letting anything chance and letting this guy get back. And then it, for it to fail so spectacularly is um, is impressive. And especially, you know, I don't want to get down Bears Bears talk, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they were interested in, they, were like, they liked Patrick Mahomes, you know? And yeah. That's, Man, that's, if we had sucks. Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in the same division, oh <laughs> my god, oh That'd my god, we need to have we need to have Dane on here in a in a few weeks. I always love those hypothetical like what almost happened, you know type type talks and oh man, you know these guys are really into this guy and it almost happened, but they went another way and the you know, entire. 
trajectory of a franchise can change with those decisions. I love those talks. You know, my problem with that type of thing with Mahomes is like 10 other teams passed on him too. Like he yeah. was there and his college tape had major holes in it. He was yeah. making terrible decisions with the football. Right. Where I, I think about this and bring it back to the division, like one of the first things I do every day is open up the athletic app and just start reading stories. And I read John's story on the NFC East. And mm. I think that's one thing we can talk about right now. Like Howie Roseman built the championship team, right? No one's uh, denying that. Like we're all – we all understand, even though it was weird that Nick Foles won that Super Bowl, it was a very weird year overall. That was a championship roster. Is Howie Roseman on the hot seat in Philadelphia? I I don't know. Like, he drafted Jalen Rager before Justin uh, Jefferson. Uh, oh, look at that. You know, probably would have taken CeeDee Lamb if the Cowboys didn't do it. The Carson Wentz contract. But I'm not sure that Howie Roseman is on the hot seat. Doug Peterson, you know, appears to be, be because Should be, his yeah. inability to fix – Carson Wentz, and I would contend that Doug Peterson's always been a little overrated. Uh, I always felt, even the year they won the Super Bowl, uh, always felt like Doug Peterson was getting a little too much love for what was going on there. Uh, but, like, Howie Roseman's on the hot seat. Here, the GM's never on the hot seat, ever. Um, it, 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 his hot seat is literally his life, and then it's his, his son gets it. Like, then God knows what happens after that. <laughs> Football may not even be a sport then. But, like, there's no hot seat here. There's no – it's never felt like there was an, a correct amount of urgency here. W- would you guys agree with that? Well, this is my this is my argument, like, whenever anybody brings up the Jerry GM thing. Like, Jerry is a very hands-on owner. Like, even if he had a yeah. GM, we're going to go out and say that, you know what, Will McClay is now officially called the GM. Jerry's still the owner. He can still do whatever he yeah. wants. So I just – I don't know. I hate how that always just get gets brought up because, yeah, it matters if you have a GM, if you have like an owner that stays out of the way unless the GM do, do his job. But if the owner is going to step in there and do what he wants, it really doesn't matter if he has owner, GM, whatever next to his name, you know? And that's why when you look at Stephen Jones, I find it hard to believe just knowing what I've seen from Stephen Jones over the last decade and everything I've heard about, I find it hard to believe he's going to be stepping in as much as, as Jerry does. It's just not his personality. You know, I mean, Jerry, Jerry is a rare person like that. Yeah. And John, just to, just to real quick, uh, you know, provide evidence for what you're saying, um, you know, for, for any Cowboys fans that are listening that are also Mavericks fans, look, if it was up to Donnie Nelson, Giannis would have been a Maverick on draft day. But Mark Cuban is also a, a strong owner in that. He stepped in and didn't let Donnie do what Donnie... I mean, this happened with the Rajon Rondo trade as well. So you have these two owners in Dallas who do uh, offer their input, and we've seen it. I mean, Giannis would have been drafted by the Mavericks if Mark Cuban hadn't hadn't offered his two cents, and Donnie Nelson was allowed to do completely. Now, to Mark Cuban's credit, once he screwed that up, he backed completely off, and I don't think Jerry's going to be doing that anytime soon. It was funny. We were actually... Um producing the football GM podcast with uh, Randy Mueller, who is a former, former GM, former GM of the Saints, Seahawks. Um, and he actually said this week, they were talking about all these open GM jobs and changing philosophy. And he mentioned Jerry. And he said he had a conversation with Jerry about a decade ago. And Jerry was saying to him, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm starting to think I might, I might need to change my philosophy around. I've gone so long being the one to call the shots that, you know, I'm start. I'm starting to get the itch that I need to go in a different direction when it comes to, you know, his personnel. Basically, the jam job. 
All right, well, let's, that was go, a down decade this, ago. let's go down this. Let's go Can down you the street then. Like, I, how many, like, how many moves have been me made recently? He would even recently? say that a decade ago. How many moves now? have been made recently that are just completely Jerry Jones moves that are completely like just shooting from the hips? I'm, and I'm not talking, I'm talking like we're going to go back to since we'll go 2014. Yeah. Since then, how many, how many moves have been had there that you're just like, what the heck was he doing? This is just a complete Jerry move. Greg Hardy. Randy Gregory. I'm telling you, there's not uh, a lot. Randy, Randy Gregory honestly makes sense from an organizational standpoint because the value is too much to pass up there. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not I saying almost, it completely I doesn't, go but back to Roy Williams almost. <laughs> right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, how many moves have really been made that, like, I just think it's easy to just, it's just easy to fall back to that. I see it all the time in comments yeah. and stories and on Twitter and that. Yeah. But, like, what are the exact moves where you were like, like, I mean, believe me, 2014. He was lined up to make one, and it would have been definitely taking Johnny Manziel there. That's your traditional Jerry move. Everybody get out of the way. I got this from here. We're doing this. you know. But how many moves have really been made since then where you're just like, wow, they didn't even, they didn't even talk to anybody. They just, they just took this guy. I mean, I guess some people yeah. might say that about the Mike McCarthy hire, you know, that yeah, they didn't interview the, more people. Yeah, and the only one that I will say, it's not really a move that they did, but I do think if Jerry was completely calling the shots – Dak Prescott probably would have had a long-term deal by now. I, I, I think that's I think that's probably one that you know Stephen is is in the mix there, and that's why that deal hasn't gotten done. But again, that's not picking a player; it's more extending one. Well, yeah, and my and my original point was not about Jerry making moves; it was about the lack of urgency in general. It, to me, it's about not making moves quick enough, letting Jason Garrett stay here for ten years. Not doing due diligence on this head coaching search, quite frankly, and I'm not putting everything at McCarthy. McCarthy can go in 13 games for you next year. Um, well, there's there's a great uh, quote. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, John, uh, but in your in the article you posted today, where you talked to Goose Goslin, and Goose Goslin made a point about this division, and he talked about Jimmy and and some of the old, you know, uh, he talked he mentioned Bill Parcells, some of the classic head coaches in this division, right? He goes, who are the Hall of Fame coaches in this division? You look around, okay. Ron Rivera, maybe. Um, let's see here. Uh, Doug Peterson, okay, won a Super Bowl. McCarthy won a Super Bowl, right? So, like, you have all these – Joe Judge, obviously, you know, whatever. Um, I I don't know how much that has to do with, like, how bad this division is this year. I think you just have some really bad teams playing bad football. I thought it was so interesting that the Cowboys in Week 13, guys, at least in the, in the lines, that the latest uh, Vegas lines that I saw, uh, they could have been updated. The Cowboys have the uh, the smallest deficit when it comes to being an underdog this week. Uh, on the lines I was looking at, Seattle, a 10-point favorite over the Giants. The Steelers, an 8.5-point favorite over Washington. Green Bay, an 8.5-point favorite over Philadelphia. And Dallas, a 7.5-point underdog to Baltimore. <laughs> like going by that, the wow. Cowboys have the best chance to win this week of the four teams. Yeah, but oh that's still God. not a great chance, though. No, that's not good. Do I would I, say I'd, I'd say it should be a little bit closer, probably about ten. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, that was it was it was good to talk to Rick about this stuff because you know I mean he's been covering the league for almost fifty years and and he just comes at it from a different perspective because obviously he watched you know those teams in the late eighties and early nineties when you know the East was just great you know from year after year and. Yeah, like in the last 13 years, they've won three Super Bowls. You know, there's the two with the Giants, and then there's the one with Philly. But that's also the only three that they've had since that 
that really good run from the mid eighties to the late nineties. So you're talking that's yeah, it's three in the last thirteen, but it's also three in the last twenty four. So yeah, uh, three and twenty four is in twenty four years is pretty much what every division should get with four teams in it. So um, I don't know. I look at I just look at the division and I just I expect all the teams to be at least decent. They should never all be this bad. I don't even really think that this division should ever have two teams that are this bad. And it just it, I don't know. It's just the way it's set up. There just isn't you know like you just always know that in the north that yeah Detroit's. If they have a good season, it's pretty much kind of surprising. Like, there's just certain teams that you know aren't going to really be much of a factor. And that's become that way with, like, a Washington, where you're just like, yeah, no, no one takes Washington serious anymore. Like, if they get it right, maybe one day they will. But so what's the big difference, you know? And obviously people can point to Dan Snyder being the owner, just like people will point to Jerry Jones. But, you know, Rick made a good point with the coaches. I mean, it is – those are legendary coaches that those teams had at that time with – to all be in the same division, Joe Gibbs, Jimmy Johnson, Bill Parcells. I mean, that's like being in the same division, having, you know, I guess you'd, you'd have to go with Bill Bill Belichick. Mike Tomlin. <laughs> I, I was going to say Sean Payton. Yeah, you put Mike Tomlin and then Andy Reid in there. Like, mm. I mean, I would expect that division to be very good and, and having, you know, uh, you know, two or three teams having 10-plus pl- wins every year. But that's not this division. And And here's the big thing about that. Is so that's just a point to what's happened. Let's look forward because that's what everybody likes to do. Like, do you think any of these four head coaches that they, these four teams currently have in the division have them headed in the right direction? That in another three or four years, you see a Super Bowl contender or more, m- multiple Super Bowl contenders in this division? Because I really don't. If Washington found a quarterback, I see direction there, but you always get the feeling that Daniel Snyder is going to come. That's what I'm saying. When has he shown you? When has he shown you? At least with Jerry, at least you can say Jerry was the owner of the team when they won three Super Bowls. I know it's a long time ago, but at least you can say it. With Dan Snyder, like what? What is? What's the high point of Dan Snyder's time there? RG threes. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. 2012. Wow. Wow. Yeah. RG three telling Romo everything will be okay was the highlight of that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They were just Uh, knocking on the door. I thought they were going to win multiple Super Bowls. Well, I mean, look, what are the, if you like, it's hard to do like right without putting a lot of thought into it, but like, where does McCarthy fit on the NFL head coaching rankings? Like now, how many coaches would you rather have over him? Okay. Well, hold on. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this. Let's, let's do what it was going into the season because I think that's what would make it real fascinating. Well, that's super, yeah, that Super Bowl ring doesn't go away. No matter what happens this year, you still got that, right? Like that's. That's I still wish I would have prepared for this. I got to go through my phone real quick and go well, through the I, I, I pulled Well, it up by the way, quick. if we're going by what's on the athletic with the uh, Shield story that that John mentioned, then McCarthy checks in at number twenty-eight. Okay, see, I think that's a little harsh. <laughs> I, I, that's saying. a little harsh. E- even okay. KT thinks that's a little harsh. <laughs> yeah, dude. Th- I mean, he's he's middle of the road. Okay, let's do this real quick. Cliff Kingsbury. What, what do you guys want? Oh. Uh, Wow, it's see, tough. <laughs> yeah, but see, that uh, one depends a lot more on, like, I think who you're giving me. Like, if you're giving me Cliff Kingsbury in a vacuum, I think I'll take McCarthy. But if you're giving me Cliff Kingsbury, like, with his quarterback that he picked yeah. in Kyler Murray, then I'll take Cliff. Small sample size, Cliff has shown to be a pretty good fourth down guy. I'm a, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Kingsbury guy through and through, though. So I'll, I'll admit that. Just glancing over, I'd say I'd probably have McCarthy somewhere, like, in the in the high 20s. Kind of about where somewhere in the neighborhood of where they drafted last year. Okay, so like, John John Harbaugh for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, tough one right here, Sean McDermott. I'd rather Buffalo. have McCarthy. 
Okay, McCarthy. I think yeah. I'd rather have McCarthy. Uh, Matt Rule, not enough of a track record to go there, right? Uh, you wouldn't rather have Vic Fangio, would you? No. No. What about Matt LaFleur? Yes. What about Frank Reich? Yes. Reich. Yes. Okay. Um, Do I Andy get Eberflus too? Andy Reid. Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course. Andy, Andy Reid. No. Are you being serious? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> I, hey, a friend, a friend of, <laughs> a friend and I were talking the other day. I feel like everyone, and I'm sorry to everybody listening to this, but I always have to bring throw in one one Lions reference. No, I love it. We literally, we literally were talking about this scenario. We were like, like I would give up every good season that I saw the Pistons and Tigers. Obviously, there wasn't many with the Lions, and I ne- I've never cared about hockey. I would give up any of that for the Lions to have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Like, and, and I'm talking that those teams can be bad the entire time, too. Like, I would give it up all if you could just get... And this is giving them to the Lions. There's a good chance the Lions screw this thing up. But if, but if you can give those two guys... I mean, that's the thing. Like, when I was talking to Rick about this, like, Rick was pointing out, like, how... Look at how many of these Hall of Fame coaches are, like, linked with Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Like, it goes hand-in-hand with so many of them. And, and then when we were talking, I didn't really find it a spot to fit in the article. But he brought up a good point. He made an argument of how you could make a serious case for Joe Gibbs being the all-time great because of the fact that he never had one of those Hall of Fame quarterbacks and won three different three, three Super Bowls yeah. and three different quarterbacks. It is pretty wild to think that you did it because you don't see that anymore. But if you can if you could put together Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes, like, I mean, I would think that's at least three Super Bowls right there. And but that's maybe me, might even be low. You're telling me that Wayne Fonts and Scott Mitchell wasn't good enough for you, John? Hey, that might be the gold standard of Detroit Lions football, but no, uh, oh, no. Andy Reid, absolutely. We don't even we talked too much about that than we even should have. Go to the next okay. one, John Gruden. That's all I was going to say. Yes. Gruden. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There's five. Sean McVay. Yes. Why are you even S- saying these names? Six. Yes. Mike Zimmer. Yes. yes. M- McCarthy beat Zimmer up and down for Aaron ten Rogers years. Beat Zimmer's up. Aaron Rodgers beat Zimmer up and down. Thank you, Brian Flores. Tough one there, huh? That's a quick turnaround. He's, he's, doing, he's doing a lot Maybe. with a little there. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in doing the conversation. A it's in that same same group. He might be the one guy too of all those like Belichick clones or not clones. Belichick <laughs> understudies. He might be <laughs> clones. What about Jim Rome? <laughs> the hell? Um, one of those like understudies though is like I'm not, no. to, I'm not trying to put on a front. I'm not trying to be a hard ass. This is who I am. Hey. I'm not trying to be. Hey. Arwan, let's stay on this for a second. Uh-huh. Everyone, just close your eyes real quick and think of the word clone. And think of what Bill Belichick looks like. <laughs> then look at, hey, no, no, hold on, hold on. I'm going to give you three names. I'm going to give you three names. Look like, look at what Bill Belichick looks like. Brian Flores. <laughs> Matt Patricia. And then everyone just buckle up for this. Charlie Weiss. They, none of these guys are his clones, okay? Dude, Parcells, too. Parcells. They're all from Parcells' go-to tree, right? <laughs> it's Steve Belichick doesn't even look like his dad. Oh my God, Steve Belichick. He looks like Joe yeah, Dirt. Hey, the only clone, <laughs> the only clone that's a coach in the NFL is uh, the offensive coordinator for the Giants right now. Jason, dude, there's some, yeah. We'll talk about that. I'll t- get some on him in a minute. Uh, Sean Android. Payton, of course. Uh, Belichick. So I'm up. To, I'm up to ten. Doug right. Peterson. Uh, Man, that's before a, this year for sure, but now I don't yeah. even know. I put them in the same conversation. I think Mike they're. Tomlin. I think they're pretty even. Oh, Mike Tomlin's elite. Oh my god, easy. Gosh, Kyle easy. Shanahan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bruce Arians. Yep. John. Man. No, so I, that's uh, why. That's why this conversation is so frustrating because this I is know. the Dallas freaking Cowboys, and you're Jerry freaking Jones. 
go get one of these guys. What are you doing? You know, like, like you should have the bet, the number one name in, in college, in not college football, in football, just because you're the Cowboys. Well, they, maybe they thought Mike McCarthy like Bruce, was that name, but I, I, I do I like know. Bruce, Bruce Arians, the no risk it, no biscuit. I'm a big fan of that. Cause that's entertaining to watch, but it, it, it doesn't seem to be, I don't know, I would like to see this season play out because I do think Tampa is still going to be in the mix. So I would say yes on, on Arians, yeah. Ron Rivera? Yes. And yeah. Mike Vrabel? Yes. Okay, so what I would say, that that's about 16 we named. Uh, well, I would Mike, say that Vrabel, I would, Mike Vrabel would be the exact opposite of the Bruce Arians with this team. I would he take would be, McCarthy He'd be over. doubling down on, oh, on, God, on, yeah. on running the football, offensive line, good defense. I mean, they, they'd be a better team. But they wouldn't. I mean, there is zero chance they would have been going for fake punts on on fourth and long from their own twenty four. Uh, and he's your scout team linebacker every week. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, uh, I would take McCarthy over both Doug Peterson and, and Ron Rivera. I know it might seem shocking to you guys, but that's that I I, I truly would. I, look, Mike McCarthy again. I got to be so clear about this because I'm so critical of him. He can build a consistent winner, and that's the thing that bothered me most with Jason, the inability to build a consistent winning program. And I know you can have a couple Romo years, but 8-8 eight and eight is not a consistent winning program, right? And that was a problem. McCarthy did that. He built a consistent winning program, and there's something to be said for that because that's, at the end of the day, that's all you want. You want your team to have a shot in the playoffs every year. I need to be there. I need to be in the dance. And that's why Ravens fans and Packers fans and Patriots fans and Seahawks fans are all, all and Saints fans, they all love their life because they go to the playoffs every year and they've got a team that contends. And that shouldn't that should never be a problem here. So that's McCarthy's number one job is get us to the playoffs every year and give us a chance and then go win those games. You know, I had issues with, with Jason even getting there and doing that. I think McCarthy can do that. Um, it's just, you know, it's going to need to happen fast because this year is likely going to be a blemish on your radar and you could end up being a playoff team. You could end up being a playoff team, but this year is likely going to be a blemish on this thing. So I don't know. Three and eight. If they're a playoff team, (laughs) we're in December, week 13. If they make the playoffs, uh, wow. When we do this thing, promote the guys. When we do this podcast Wednesday morning after the Ravens game and the Cowboys lose, we're going to be in the same damn position that we're in right now because every other NFC East team is going to lose this week. And it's going to be the same thing, just with less time on the schedule, with four weeks remaining. And the Cowboys are going to have the Bengals, a team who's probably running out Ryan Finley or probably Brandon Allen. Like they're going to, they're going to have a chance to to beat the Bengals. And I think they'll do it. So like, Whatever happens this week, next week's going to change everything. That Eagles tie with the Bengals. This thing's going to come down to the Cowboys and how they play the Eagles and the Giants in Week 16 and 17. And that could be a Colt McCoy game. That could be a Jalen Hurts game. Uh, I think it's wild if they're still running Carson Wentz out there trying to win the division. But that's all happening, and that's how they think about it. And I know as this is all happening, we've got Team Tank lined up. And they've got their their arms are drawn, right? They're they're ready to go, right? I understand that, but like it's not how this team's thinking about it. This team's right. trying to win the game, and you're, you have the Leighton Vanderesh quote in your article, John. That was excellent. I, I just want to say real quick, though, going back to your previous point about expecting you know McCarthy to bring in consistency and be like what they did in Green Bay, unlike Jason Garrett. Um, there is one alarming thing about this season that goes against that point, and that's the fact that. 
how do you not put together two good back-to-back games? Yeah. Like, I'm not even asking for a winning record. I'm not asking for a 500 record. I I know it's not going to be a good season. But how do you not put together two good games back-to-back? That should cause a little bit of concern. This is not at all a shot at either of these two guys. I want to be really clear. But I do think it's fair to say that Romo and Dak, they've yet to set a standard of winning in the organization, which had been done in Green Bay after Brett Favre. Brett Favre did it. And then you know Aaron Rodgers continued it. And again, that's not on these guys. But the standard of winning, which does emanate throughout the, the locker room and does emanate throughout the culture and does emanate throughout the fan base and coaching staff, that's not that that does not exist here. It doesn't, it does, but I think their floor there. is pretty high with those two guys. When you're talking Absolutely. about Romo or or Dak in their prime, yeah, they're but they're neither of them are Rodgers. So let's say for me, we'll take you out of this, KT. Maybe you might be a bias, maybe not with the Packers, but for me, I would say that with Aaron Rodgers, I think of him like when he's healthy and the team's good. I think of that being double digit wins every single year. With with Romo and Dak healthy. I think of you having a chance at nine or 10 wins, but I think that you're winning at least seven or eight. And I think seven or eight is your basement. I think that, and you have the chance to win 10 or 11. Like you're not quite at that, that Rogers level, but you're a little bit below it, but those guys aren't on Rogers level. So I don't think that you can expect the same thing as, and they're obviously not on Brett Favre's level either. I mean, so I think that they're pretty good. And so what I guess what I'm getting at is like, so if the organization had Aaron Rodgers, the organization had Brett Favre in their prime, like I think that, that bar would be a little bit higher with those guys. Yeah, and I also think like, you know, I, I know, KT, you're not doing this in, in terms of, you know, just placing the blame on them, but uh, it, it goes back to what John was saying when we were discussing all the coaches, right? Like quarterbacks and coaches almost go hand in hand so much. So I do think that in a lot of ways, I, it really sucks that Parcells was here at the very end of Romo. He got Romo in the door and then, and then just, you know, retired because I would have loved to see five, six years of Parcells and Romo together and see if they would have established that thing that then Romo could pass on to the next person. But it's hard to do that when you're just the quarterback, I think. That's that's the main issue. What if what if instead of handing it off, to, or Bill Parcells still being here, what if he would have handed it off to, to uh, Sean Payton? Man. And then you would add him with Romo, and then Romo... But then, and then you go into Dak with Sean Payton. Y'all know about that story of Payton wanting to trade for Romo before yeah. they got Drew Brees. Like, but Parcells wouldn't let him go. Yeah, in Dallas, they would have been great together too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm glad we had Romo. But you're right, man. That that I mean, was that's probably the difference, their, right. I, I mean, Romo was just hurt, but when he was in there, they were good. I mean, that was his big problem. That's why they couldn't establish a winning identity because he wasn't out there. In 2013, it was Kyle Orton trying to win the division. It wasn't him, you know? Um, that was his main, main and, issue. And so in that article, when I, when I talked to Rick about, and he mentions the gold standard era with those coaches like that, there was a chance for this division to still have that. And that could have been, now not three, but I think two. And that would be is if Sean Payton, obviously, if he would have got the Cowboys coaching job, I still think he's the Cowboys coach. I don't know that he wins the Super Bowl. It's hard to predict that, but I, he's still the Cowboys coach right now. I feel very strongly about that. And if Philadelphia could have could have stuck with Andy Reid, then you have two guys that could be potential the Hall of Fame, like two of the best coaches in the game. Now, obviously, Philly got tired of him. I'm I'm sure that 
there's there's reasons for that, but he's a Hall of Fame type head elite head coach. If if you could have had those two guys in the division for a long period of time, then you're looking at where you could have had multiple Super Bowls. Maybe you know the Eagles and and the Cowboys trade off, but you know that obviously didn't happen, and now you're where you are right now. So, would you guys agree? I mean, it, it does feel like because what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz, and because there's really no end in sight right now of that improving. It does appear like Washington and New York, you kind of look at those teams and you go, like, I, I can see them building something slowly. Still depends on quarterback situation there for both of them. I don't think anyone's sold on Daniel Jones. And I don't think anyone thinks Washington has any idea what they want to do at quarterback over the next three years. But would you guys agree that the 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 brightest shining star in the, the division, if we had to look ahead past this year, and then over the next three years, would you guys agree that it's the Cowboys? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, mainly, and it, and it all comes down to the quarterback position for me. Uh, it, yeah, I think the Cowboys have the brightest outlook at quarterback, and you know we'll see what happens with McCarthy. But you go down the road, Carson Wentz. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that he's broken to where he can't be fixed at all. But I don't think that he can come back and be that MVP caliber guy. We'll see what happens with Daniel Jones, and there's unknown in Washington. So. Yeah, just by quarterback, I think you have to go with the Cowboys. I also would go with the Cowboys because of just what the rest of the division is. It's not like they have, like, like I'll give you a, a, you know, obviously you could say, oh, well, if the Chiefs were in here, then no way. But, like, I'm not going to go that high. But I'll go with the team that's a little bit lower, and, and I'll say the Rams. If the Rams were in the NFC East with Sean McVay, I would say no. The Cowboys, I don't think that the Cowboys have a brighter future than the Rams. But out of what's in here with where the Eagles are at right now, and obviously, you know, Washington and the, and the Giants, I would say, yeah, the Cowboys do have the brightest future, but I just don't think that that's a very high bar is what I'm saying. You know, the young quarterbacks that have taken the league by storm, they, a lot of them are in the AFC. I think that's something, that, aside from Kyler, to the Cardinals, you start looking like, okay, Herbert's impressed a lot of people, AFC, obviously Mahomes, not to mention Deshaun Watson, all that stuff, type of thing. Um, you know, Wentz and Goff have still have a lot to prove, and I know Goff. What I'm a Jared Goff believer. Oh, and, uh, and well, oh, real quick, real quick, I didn't say the Rams because of anything I felt about Jared Goff. It's that I really feel that Sean McVay, if the Goff doesn't work out, I'm very confident next guy gets in there, he's going to have success with him. I'm, I don't feel that same way about the rest of the NFC East. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I feel the same way. And it's, it's interesting though that the NFC East could still continue to be wide open as it I mean kind of is this year good teams up there at the top but you know Rodgers is old Breeze is old the, the Saints are not a good team right now they've gotten an easy schedule you watch the Saints play the last few weeks with Taysom Hill of quarterback you're not seeing a good team they've got a good defense you're not seeing a good offensive football team Brady is a mess right now in Tampa Bay and how that plays out is going to be fascinating Carolina still doesn't have a quarterback I know they're kind of been a decent team Matt Ryan's getting older they're a bad team right now, but there's just like I, I look around at the the NFC and I go, man, Dak has got the chance outside of maybe the way Aaron Rodgers is playing right now and Russell Wilson to be that third guy in the conference, and that gives you a chance every year um, if you have that. So um, you know that, that's some division divisional talk. Offensive lines banged up, right? So this is not going to get any better for Tuesday night. We're looking at Terrence Steele. We're looking at Brandon Knight, guys, right? Oh, that's that's exactly what we're looking at. And oh yeah, hell yeah. Uh, Bring they're they're going to have some wait. time to. They're going to have some time to practice. So uh, you know that uh, it might be able to look better than against Washington, but you can't honestly expect it to look that much better. So uh, yeah, no, they're in trouble up front, and 
That's that's the thing right there. I mean, as soon as Zach Martin went down, obviously it wasn't on the level of when Dak went down, but you knew that they were going to be in a lot of trouble. I mean, it's just there aren't enough pieces there that are of high enough quality for them to just to kind of plug the next guy in and keep winning. So, no, uh, it's at least a couple of weeks for Zach Martin, and I think these next couple of weeks leading up to that will have a lot of say in that because if they they keep losing and they're a few games back, why would he come back? It would make no sense to bring him back at the end of the year if they're already out of it. So, uh, yeah, at least a couple more weeks for Zach Martin and, and uh, Cam Irving. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You know, watching that Baltimore game yesterday, and obviously they were out, uh, didn't have Lamar Jackson, but I was sitting there going, okay, well, we're going to get ran on this week um, or next week. You know, obviously with Lamar, they will be throwing a little more than they were yesterday with RG3. But, man, I'm selling out against the run because that's what Baltimore is going to try to do right now. They need a win bad. I do think their Baltimore is a playoff team. I truly believe they'll get it together, but they've had some problems offensively moving the ball, having some problems, you know, with weapons, um, you know, outside of Mark Andrews, outside of Marquise Brown, 
occasionally they'll get it to Willie Sneed. You know, th- there's a reason they're the team that added Des Bryant. They're the team who needed to add another weapon. Des hasn't done hardly anything for them. But if if you look closely, he is in their three wide receiver packages. Granted, they play a lot of two tight end, you know, ground it and pound it style. But when they go to 11 personnel and get three wide receivers on the field, Des is in the game. Um, so I think there's a there's a chance you see uh, them try to get the ball to Des. You know, they weren't trying to throw it yet at all yesterday, but uh, before that they did you know, workshops and plays, some design plays where it was clear they were trying to get Des on a drag route or something, trying to get him the ball. So I think you'll see Des Bryant have a few catches. John, you were talking about uh, – did you put an official poll out online on, on Twitter on this? I did a, a few hours before we started recording this. Uh so we're like a little over 1,100 votes, so it's still early on here, but it's 75% of Cowboys fans, okay? this is I'm asking Cowboys fans what they want to see from Des Bryant Tuesday night, and 75% said that they want to see him go off, and they want to see him have a good game. And that just surprises me because I feel like, while I understand why Des Bryant is beloved in amongst Cowboys fans, uh, I think it also says something about the state of where this team's at right now, where it's like, yeah. I think people are losing interest in caring about like, you know, the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole idea of, you know, the, oh, waiting all day for a Sunday night. Like, no, nobody in Dallas is doing that. You know, like <laughs> no one's really looking forward to this. It's like, they're going to watch because there's only 16 games, but like, no one's really looking forward to it. Like, this is going to be the one that turns it around. You know, like you're kind of looking at it like this could get ugly when it starts getting ugly. I'm turning it off, but this is my team. So I'll watch them. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to see, like, I don't know, just watching their offense with Robert Griffin and even with Lamar Jackson, like, I don't know what kind of major damage Des could do. Obviously the key would be if he had a touchdown, he hasn't had one since, 2017 that would be a huge moment obviously but um i just found it interesting that cowboys fan that many cowboys fans are are leaning towards they want to see des have a good game you know i mean now they could be oh i want to see him have a good game but then the ravens still lose find that a little hard to believe but yeah what's the, the fact that they want to see him play well is, is interesting to me sod what's that percentage if the cowboys are eight and three oh man i i think i i don't think that there's I mean, I think they would want. I, I think Dez is at a level where I still think people would want him to do well, but not like go off. Which I think is the wording in John's poll is like, you know, do you want him to like go off? I don't think anyone would want him to go off in that scenario. Yeah, I said huge, huge game slash yeah. throw up, throw up the X. Um, so I, I think they want a huge game it. for him. Obviously, in his prime, you're talking like over 100 yards and maybe a couple touchdowns. Yeah. In here, I think if he just had a touchdown and maybe like 20, 30, 40 yards, like uh, that would be huge. And and really, if if you tell me Des does that, you don't need to tell me anything about the rest of the game. I already know that the Ravens won. Yeah, Des might be John, and correct me on this. He might be the most beloved player that I covered in the past decade for the Cowboys fans, like the most worshipped, like play. I mean, people are in, you can say Dak, but Dak has a lot of haters. I don't know if Dez had a lot of haters. Well, I was going to say Romo too. Romo, Romo had a lot too. of haters. Dez yeah. is universal love from Cowboys Ooh. fans. For I the most say part. Universal. I, no, no. I mean, I he did have universal. some blowups. He did have some blowups, yeah, but I he was say universal, but I, don't I get know. your when point. Dez was He's in the that conversation. There, you saw more 88s in the crowd than any, any number fan favorite, it, yeah. I, I I think maybe just for those nostalgic feels, 
They'd want to see Dez catch a touchdown, throw up the X. They they care more about that than seeing Mike McCarthy get to four and eight on the season or whatever. Well, right even now. if Dez, just, uh, yeah, even if Dez isn't the number one on that list, he's in whatever would be the top three. Yes, and so when you look at that three of Dez, Romo, and Dak, the other two aren't going to be on the field Tuesday. Jason night. Witten, maybe I don't know. He might be on, and, there. and he would not be on the field Tuesday night either. So. Dez is the guy that there's going to be so many people that connect with, uh, you know, watching him play for this this previous decade. And so, yeah, there, I mean, for sure, he, I, I would also, put him at the top of that list. Yeah, I also think it, I think part of the reason why he's so beloved is not just because of, you know, 2013, 14, when he was just balling out, but also in the last three or four years since he's been trying to come back, he's basically openly begged the Cowboys to bring him back. And so I think for Cowboys fans, that resonates a lot where, you know, it, it's not just what he did in the glory days. He loves the Cowboys so much that he wants to come back, but ownership and front office wouldn't do it. But Dez, is, Dez has not been very, I mean, I know he went off a few times about the Garrett guys or whatever, but he ever since he's been on the comeback trail, he has not made a secret. And Jerry has said he, he thinks about it in the shower and, and all these different kind of things. So I think all that stuff together is why everyone loves Dez. C.D. Lamb slammed the door on that. For sure, like like that's probably like you know made him never come back. Like it's never happening. No, I, what, I don't. I I, no, 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 it was never happened. If he, if he it was never happening, they would never. That. If they would have been kind of low at receiver this year, I wonder. What, no, as I soon wonder. as they traded for Amari Cooper, that wasn't happening. The other part, though, that was uh, interesting that factors in with Des still is that while some knocked him for how passionate and how how he wore his emotions on his sleeve on the sideline, there's also a lot of people that feel like this current team is lacking that. Right. So yeah. that's another thing that people like about Des Bryant that that's brought up quite often. Yeah, and like it's a uh, it's one of those things too where Des, I think fans have gotten a little smarter over the years and understanding salary caps and things like that. I think I think there was a good portion of the fan base that understood why the cut happened. Now I think the twenty seven wide receiver twenty seventeen wide receiver group that you were running out there was you know. Not good. <laughs> kind of make you go, oh, geez, really? But like, I do think a lot of people did kind of understand, you know, you know why it happened. But you know, I, I can't wait to to watch it. I mean, yesterday I, I was even like, I was doing my radio show, but I was still watching the TV. Uh, I was like, man, this is awesome. They're canceling the Kelly Clarkson show and Ellen for Wednesday afternoon football. It's weird, but okay, I'm watching RG three and Dez. On the Ravens, it was so it was such a wild experience uh, just to watch all that happen. And the, for the game to be somewhat competitive was fun. Um, now we should make our picks for this Baltimore game. Uh, Kent, I have a question on your. You had a little hypothetical. Did you do yeah. that off the top, or did you have another one? Yeah, no, th- no, okay, I yeah. haven't done it yet. But we were okay, kind of yes. we were kind of talking about this subject, and we were talking about the NFC East. So uh, let's let's freeze. Uh, in time, these two teams, the Cowboys mm-hmm. and the Ravens, okay? The 2020 mm-hmm. Cowboys and the 2020 Ravens. You say everybody is healthy, okay, on both sides. So the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, the Cowboys have Dak. Everybody's healthy. Who would you want to be for the next three years? Because I feel like uh, the Ravens the Ravens remind me of the Cowboys a lot of ways in the AFC. They're, you know, they're always kind of in the conversation. They're always in the competing in the division. They're never really able to get over the hump. They did that one year with Joe Flacco. 
Um, but they're kind of the opposite. You know, they rely heavily on their defense. Their defense is always good. The Cowboys rely heavily on their offense. Their offense is always good. Um, but if you were to pick one of these teams, the 2020 versions, freeze them in time, who would you bet on for the next three years? Well, I mean, I'm betting on the Ravens just because they're a better run organization. So. But, I mean, the, the, the caveat there is um, they're in the AFC. I mean, you've got to face the Chiefs for the next three years. I mean, the path to, to success might be a lot more difficult in the AFC than it is uh, in the NFC. Yeah, absolutely. I'll still take the Ravens. Uh, better run organization, uh, better head coach. Better head coach. That's what it comes down to for me. Uh, um, <laughs> their, their basement on defense is just so much higher than what the Cowboys' basement is on defense. And then so you go over to the offense – and yeah, I give the Cowboys the edge. They have, obviously, if, if you're talking in a perfect scenario, they have the offensive line back, Dax healthy. They have uh, outstanding wide receivers. Um, but Lamar Jackson does enough to at least keep them in the conversation. Like, three years from now, I don't even know what this Cowboys defense is going to look like. Like, are they adding on to what they have right now and then it grows? Or do they continue to go down a path next season, adding some pieces, and then that direction doesn't work? And then in two years, it's back to a 4-3, and like... The, the Ravens have an identity that I don't see changing. Like, the Cowboys, like, I don't know two years from now if Mike McCarthy's still the head coach. Like, I feel like with the Ravens, they're just, that, that, that organization, even if they, let's say John Harbaugh wasn't the coach two years from now, they're just very solid. It, I, and they they remind me a lot of the Steelers, where it's like, I guess I always go back to this, because it's like, it's so hard to project, like, who's going to win this Super Bowl. Like, I don't know that the Cowboys, I, I, I wouldn't sit here and say the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl in the next three years. I wouldn't say the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl in the next three years. But when I look at where their basements are, like, what's the worst possible scenario? I feel like the Ravens is higher than the Cowboys. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, you know, it, like John said, it goes back to, like, Steve Bashotti, and I think the way that he runs that organization is, is you know, really good. But also, I think, you know, John Harbaugh and the coaching uh, matters to me a lot because I, I always thought John Harbaugh was a really good coach, but the way that we saw him transform that entire roster to fit Lamar Jackson, and, and it did not take him half a decade to do that. I mean, they were drafting tight ends like crazy. They were adding tight ends, and they built that offense to fit everything Lamar Jackson does and produce an MVP season out of him, and I think that that just goes a long way. And I just feel like the Ravens defense is always, and I know that there's some years where you can't just say, oh yeah, they're going to, well, here's the Ravens defense. They're going to be elite. Like, I'm not saying every single one of them is like the Ray Lewis, you know, defense, but they are always pretty strong over there where it's like, I can't really say the Cowboys are like that, even on offense. Like, I can't sit there and say every single year, I expect them to be outstanding there. Whereas like the Ravens, you can kind of hang your hat on that, that they're at least going to be good there. And then on offense, like, I mean, they've already shown you that they, that they, the organizations won a Super Bowl with really having no off offense at all. And, and Trent Dilfer is the quarterback because their defense is played at such an elite level. And so if they can get the right pieces there, you know, I just, I feel stronger about their defense being able to, and as Ken said, it's a great point that you, I mean, you're going to have to go against Patrick Mahomes and, and that's not easy. Um, but if you have the right defense on the right day, maybe you have a really great regular season and you're playing in Baltimore, you know, that, that could happen. I just, I, I haven't seen the Cowboys even get past the second round of the playoffs for me to sit there when there's obviously teams that they years, 2014, 16, 18, they were probably good enough to do that and didn't do it. So again, I just, for the next three years, I mean, for me, to be honest with you, it's a pretty easy bet. Yeah, and I, the last thing I'll say is also, look, Baltimore has gone through Brady versus Manning 
Brady and Manning, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for the last two decades, right? And I mean, they got through they got through Tom Brady to win the one ring that they did. They've had to go through Peyton Manning as well. I know I know Pat Mahomes is on like this different level, and I'm not and I'm not arguing that, but they've done this before and they got through and won a Super Bowl. The the the, the Cowboys haven't done that in the last 25 years, and they haven't had to go through Tom Brady or Peyton Manning um, on a on an annual basis. And so you know, I'll, I'll still take my take my bets with going through Mahomes. Okay, so I I I, uh, I like what a lot of you guys said, right? Um, but I think you have to go back to the question. The next three years, there's no one's turning it around in this division. The next three years, I mean, I'd be highly surprised if any of these teams are really good in the next three years. The Cowboys had the best chance to be really good. I I truly believe that. There's just there's enough. Weapons on the roster. They need really more good, good players. Really good in the NFC or really good in the NFC East? When it, and, and the, you think they'll, that's they'll, part of the question. Though. Yeah. No, no, no. Oh, oh, then here, let me just take it to the next level then. You can tell me that they win the NFC East for three years and I still might take the Ravens. Because what does that get you? We saw in 14, 16, and 18, 18 them win the division. And then they go and they lose hosting playoff games. Like, I... I I still I haven't seen them get even past that for me to even give them a benefit of the doubt in that sense. I'm just saying I think the road for the Cowboys to go make the playoffs and contend is a little easier than it is. Oh, it is. No, I don't think there's any argument about that. No, there's no question about that. Maybe a little easier, but also you did add the the NFL added a playoff spot now. Like John said, I'll still take the Baltimore Ravens in a wild card over the Cowboys winning the division. Yeah, I guess it goes back to the segment I do on my movie podcast mad about movies uh laugh at us in the future for wrong in three years and then laugh at us the cowboys have won a super bowl and the ravens have flamed out then then oh laugh God. at us but yeah, uh, if the cowboys win a super bowl the in the next three years if the cowboys win a super bowl in the next three years i will gladly take all the heat for any of that i'll and, be uh, laughing yeah i love i'll project. be laughing i love project. hey why hey, why they play the ravens mccarthy's my boy <laughs> yeah first time you've ever said that on the show um, and okay. last time, probably. First, probably. first time, first time, long time, last time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, Kevin, picks. Well, yeah, I want to get your picks, and I will end it with a final question because I got something for you guys. Picks. We start with me. Ha <laughs> ha. I we, we all got losses last week, all right? We, right? We're yeah. good with that. Okay. All right. The records are not good, um, <laughs> but Kent still has the lead with one one loss this year. We all have two losses. Uh, I've got Baltimore winning, but I do think it's going to be close. I, I think Baltimore's failed to get explosive plays, and they have been reduced to a one-dimensional team. And until get, that gets figured out, and maybe the perfect recipe for figuring that out is playing the Cowboys, but until that gets figured out, I don't see them running away with this game. I'm going Baltimore 20, Cowboys 13. 20. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be a um, fast game. A lot of a lot of carries. I I wrote down twenty four thirteen before the show started, and I'm sticking with that. I will say that if there was no COVID for Lamar Jackson, uh, I think it could be thirty five fourteen possibly. Um, but the fact that he has still not returned to practice, even if he returns and and has you know a couple days to practice, and that there still is that layoff time that I could see that uh, being a little bit of an issue. So. I'll give the Cowboys a benefit out there, but no, I would be very surprised if the Cowboys won this game. So yeah, twenty four thirteen. So yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll go Ravens twenty eight to seventeen. Um, 
Yeah, again, same thing. I, I just don't think that the Cowboys uh, have enough right now. And I think the Ravens it will go late late in the game. They'll have one of those back-breaking drives where they're just going to uh, put the Cowboys away. So 28-17. Yeah, and it will be interesting if Lamar ends up playing in this game. It could change the whole the whole trajectory of, of this prediction um, because, you know, Harbaugh hasn't said yes or no. So, I mean, who, who knows if he ends up ends up playing on – on Tuesday night, but uh, given the the rosters as they are now, uh, I don't think the Cowboys really have much of an offense up there. It is going to be in Baltimore, outdoor game, cold. Um, so I think they muster up a touchdown, but I think we're going to see some Greg Zerline action. So I'll give. Oh man, this is tough. This is tough. I'll go Ravens twenty, Cowboys sixteen. I think it's a little closer. Than you guys, you know, but I think it's brought, uh, so close. I'm glad you brought up the cold weather because that is, that's a good test of we've seen this Cowboys team. I think about that Chicago, you know, Thursday night game. We've seen this team kind of not show a lot of physicality out when it gets cold. A lot of that kind of want to, you know, uh, going to be looking for that for sure. Now I want to end this uh, with a very quick question. You're really just going to get one answer, guys. All right, just so, um, and I'll start with you, Ken. I want to start with you on this one. Is our um, is our show uh, movie buff? Okay. What is the best Christmas movie? Wow, I was having a conversation with some uh, doing a radio hit the other day talking about this. I think Home Alone. I watched Home Alone last week. Yeah, I think Home Alone probably stands the test of time as the best family Christmas movie. Now there are varying degrees. You know, you can go if you want to go really raunchy, you go the Bad Santa. You know, a little less raunchy with the Christmas Vacation. But I think, like, you know, the most generic best Christmas movie is probably Home Alone. Home Alone 1. I'm a Home Alone 2 fan. I love Home Alone 2. I do, um, yeah. But I think Home Alone 1 is probably the best ever. Yeah, that'd be my that'd be my my answer. What about you, Home KT? Alone. Um, I want to go last. Okay, Saad. Yeah, so I, I definitely say Home Alone. I, I, I tweeted it the other day. I was watching Home Alone just <clears> last night. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think home alone and I don't really, I, I don't, I don't really have a strong feeling between home alone or home alone two. I think they're both fantastic, uh, underrated. I do have one underrated movie though, and this is a super kiddish movie. Um, and, and it's nostalgia for me, but I also have little baby cousins that I watched this with, uh, polar express solid movie with a good soundtrack. Uh, it's yeah. animated and stuff. But Polar Express is a really good movie as well, but I'm definitely going with Home Alone. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you under the gun side and not allow you to have Home Alone because Kit drafted it first. I know I'm just I'm adding this rule. Okay. So would it be Home Alone two or would it be Polar Express for you? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, probably Home Alone two. Yeah. Okay. Wow, shots fired at the. Polar I want to throw some honorable mentions in there too. I'm gonna, uh, with Charlie Brown Christmas. And well, hold on, hold Grinch. on, hold on, hold on. Grinch hold on. as well. Grinch is great. Yeah, I want to see what John picks first. Then John's, we'll, John's yes, not going to pick Charlie religions. Brown Christmas. Come on. Come on, John. <laughs> this is, like, we've talked about this before. I want to say last Christmas we did the same thing. I think, like, this, I don't know if that you could ask me an easier question than this. Like, it's not even close. It's so far. I'd love Die Home hard. Alone. Die hard. I love I love Home Alone, but National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is oh, okay. the best Christmas movie, and I can just watch that over and over again. It doesn't even have to be Christmas time, and I can watch that movie. It's so good. When Clark says to Eddie, "If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now." Yeah, that I just I, <laughs> that literally 
never gets old. Like that is on like some of I put that right up there with some of Michael Scott's the, best the, lines uh, in the office. The line that always gets me is when they're standing out waiting for the Christmas lights to be turned on, and Audrey's like, "What if one of my friends drives by and see us standing out in the lawn in our in our pajamas?" And then the the grandpa says. If they know your father, they won't think anything of it. I love, I love that. <laughs> so good. That, that yeah, would have been classic, mine. Classic. That would have been mine, so I'll, I'll uh, change it. Hold on real quick. Uh, Let me just well, – I, I shouldn't even say this. I, I, should, I should say this for after the podcast because I could be embarrassed with this by even speaking this into existence. But is that Chevy Chase's best movie? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hands down. By I'm far. just trying to think. Am I missing something? Yeah, the, for me it is, but I'm just trying to think: Am I missing? Filmography is not that not as deep as you would think it'd be. I mean, it's Caddyshack, yeah. you know, Fletch. There's some some random '80s Caddyshack too. You know, some random ones he he appeared in. Uh, vacation, obviously. That's what I was going to say. Like, so, Vac- so then if you're vacation. saying that, then you definitely say Clark, that Clark Griswold is definitely his best character. Yeah, and that's his best movie as Clark Griswold. So I would say yes. That's a great answer. What about you, Kevin? It's Bad Round Santa it for me. I there mean, you go. It, it's Christmas Vacation, but it's Bad Santa is number two. So hmm. there's that. Um, now, nice. I do. Can I just for one second, though, can we discuss just one thing on Jingle All the Way real quick? Are we all familiar mm. with Jingle All the Way? Yes. Why was Arnold Schwarzenegger such a bad dad? Like, have you guys <laughs> gone and like really taken a look at that movie recently? It was on the other night. And, like, he doesn't even have an excuse. Like, it's not I was late from work. He's just missing his son's, like, sports games or he's missing the Christmas play. And, like, okay, it's no wonder Phil Hartman is coming in and hitting on your wife. You're never around. Making your cookies. Kid's a smart aleck. Your kid's yeah. a smart aleck. And I think they punished the kid by making him be Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Because his kid's a little jerk, too. Yeah, not um, only were you a bad but like, dad, but you raised an annoying kid, too. Yeah, Like, dude, give me a good excuse. Like, trust me. Like, I get it. If you want to be a bad father, like, just have an excuse. Have a good excuse. He's just, I'm sorry, I was late. He's like, that doesn't work, Arnold. And then he <laughs> went into political office. Unbelievable. Wow. There. And, <laughs> end of soapbox. Indeed. End of soapbox. I didn't think I'd I, this this podcast would end with a rant about Arnold Schwarzenegger's role in Jingle All the Way, but here we are. Well, we I, are. and I think we've talked enough cowboy special teams. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Good luck. Hey, everyone, keep keep hanging out at the Athletic, though. I'm telling you, whether it's downloading that app, checking out the website, telling a friend, text a friend, <laughs> text text a friend or two. Just say, hey. Check it out, The Athletic. <laughs> Christmas time, you know, that type dollar of Dollar a week. Dollar a week. Do- dollar a week? I mean, are you kidding me? I think you better than that. Uh, also, uh, check out uh, tons of podcasts, things like that. Mav season getting going. So Tim Cato will be all over that. Rangers off season, a big story yesterday from Levi Weaver regarding Elvis Andrews. Uh, getting moved off of shortstop for Isaiah Kiner and Falefa. Stars are going get, to get it going at some point. The NHL is oh, yeah. kind of being quiet about that. Tons of college football, NFL uh, content as well from John and Saad and Bob Stern, and of course all the podcasts. So uh, yeah, tell a friend. Um, for Father John Mashoda, for Saad Yusuf, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin Turner. We'll talk to you next week after Cowboys and Ravens on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Y'all stay Corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>